0: Hey, everybody, Mitch here. Do you have what it takes to be our Bardownsky Player of the Month or our Bro Zone Goalie of the Month? You could be like Bruce Hardman. You could be like Nick France. You can be our Players of the Month. You can get your in-the-rink coverage from us, a T-shirt, a $25 gift certificate from Bardowski for the Player of the Month, a one-month free cleaning by BroZone, as Bruce Hardman is getting this coming month. Uh, I will be in the rink on November 15th to present Nick France package from Bardownski. And Ed Major will be there on November 12th to present Bruce Hardman with his prize package. Just go out there, play your hearts out. We're noticing, we're seeing what you're doing. Your players of the month are being selected. I am Mitch. You might be our next player of the month. I will see you in the rink. Take care. (coughs) Welcome back, hockey fans. This is Mitch. I'd like to thank you for listening to episode number 13 of the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. And like all things that are unlucky with Lucky Lucky number 13, I made a mistake this week, and it cost me an interview. Um, I had a great interview planned, lined up, recorded, and mastered from uh, Never Give Up Radio co-creator and voice, Liam Cavanaugh, and unfortunately, I made a mistake, and I accidentally swiped it from my computer, so we're going to be, luckily, be able to re-talk to Liam, and let this be a lesson to everybody, including myself. Back up everything that you do, or you look like an idiot like I feel right now. I found out about an hour prior to Showtime that I no longer had it. Anyway, if you want to make fun of me, insult me, make me feel worse than I feel right now, you can find me on Twitter at PHD underscore Mitch. You can find us on Twitter at PGHHockeyDigest. It's the same for Instagram and SoundCloud. And on Facebook, you can find us at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. If you want to indulge in all of the information that we're trying to present to you, you can look us up on berghockey.com. Today we have a pretty full show, regardless of the fact that we had a our interview with Liam Cavanaugh and Never Give Up Radio. But we still have our normal recaps, our phone call from Gary Heeman, and our Matt Mamros interview with Headwaters, plus our PIHL recaps. And uh, that will all come a little bit later. But right now, I want to open the show a little bit differently. As you know, one of my goals in co-creating and bringing you the content that Pittsburgh Hockey Digest strives to present is to create a conversation. And this week, that goal paid dividends exponentially. Now, I'd start with a little bit of a backstory. I was at Ross Traver Ice Garden covering Ringgold and Central Valley in a Division II matchup on Monday night as part of our in-the-rink coverage. That was, of course, our try coverage with Ed Major and Jared Todd-Hunter out there. Coach Rick from Ringgold, he gave me a really nice gesture in the pregame and invited me to shoot from the penalty box at any time during the game And I told him that I might take him up on it uh, due to the glass being a little rough to shoot through at Hockeyville. And uh, netting is around the perimeter of the rink, so you can't really get a good shot unless you have to shoot through the glass. Now, if you notice any of the pictures, they're probably best that I've ever shot in my life. I changed a couple things on the camera, so it really didn't hurt anything at all. But uh, I took him up on it. And I walked down into the box during the third period of that league game, and right after the cut and the players were getting ready to come out so I figured I'll just sneak in and get there and the uh, the league official asked me to leave. I got thrown out of the penalty box at at Hockeyville and I didn't know why but um he explained to me that there's a new league rule set in place last year that they cannot have photographers in the penalty boxes anymore. I did a little bit of research on that and I found that to be a true statement. Uh there was a rule set into place that doesn't allow for anybody other than an official in the penalty box due to liability, which is fine, you know, so I, I decided, okay, I'm just going to, uh, you know, tweet it out and just let her, you know, yeah, I had an opportunity to do it, but that's fine, and, uh, well, some of you guys started going insane in the responses of those tweets. Um, most of the responses are from coaches and guys I've known through my time doing this, they explain their various level of frustration with the way that the league handles the promotion of their league, you know, saying how my, you know, me not being able to take pictures was a big detail for them, uh, how it's not, doesn't look good on them to be able to give me access to an area, which is pretty big. If you think about it, and that's having straight through shot. I mean, I have access to the suicide box at UPMC 66. Of course, that's the space between the two, Benches is referred to as a suicide box in the vernacular, but um, I have all the liability waivers signed and everything for that, so I'm able to do that. Um, Just a couple things that I I was looking at, and a couple of the guys started talking about how they handle the promotion of the league. Other guys started rehashing old war stories. I'm looking at you, Glenn Himes. Uh some started bringing up things that I didn't even know what it means, and I think that would have to be referred to as Matt Mamros's tweet. and uh, We'll talk to him a little bit later, see if I remember to ask him about that. Um, I stayed pretty st- uh, still at that. I, I'm pretty well-footed. Whenever I come up with a decision how I feel about something, I stick with it. And uh, somewhere between the defending the league policy, which I did consult somebody that would be in the know, uh, one of the league photographers, uh, Dave Haig, uh, very nice guy, always well, willing to help out. And I accidentally called out the league's website issues, which I have to clarify, they're doing a great effort of work in progress there. And there's a lot of uh, you know, great positives coming out of that, and I applaud them for that, um, but Something that dawned on me in this whole process of back and forth about you know what things are like, we uh, we made a big stride in creating that conversation that we we wanted to create, and and I will say that while I always have maintained that this was is and never will be about me, or even our website, I could not be more excited about this step in the evolution of our website burghockey.com. And the reach that we're getting with our member schools is insane. I wanted to offer up my point of view on the con- to the contingent. And that's that all of our, point- our opinions are valued. And, you know, you go out there and you can talk about something till you're blue in the face. And it doesn't mean anything if nobody else reacts. And I think that's what a lot of us are forgetting. Is that, yes, our opinions are valued. However, it may not mesh with somebody else's opinion. And it's regardless of their differences in the league and its rules or its promotion, it's still the governing body that allows these young athletes an opportunity to play the sport that they love with their friends before embarking on the next chapter of their lives. Uh, sometimes we do forget that there are still teenagers playing a sport, and, you know, sometimes it's not... The most efficient way of going about things, are things that are agree, or things are not going to be agree, things you won't be able to agree upon. But th- this has still always been about the uh, those teenagers playing hockey and playing with their friends that they've grown up with, and the opportunity to compete at a very high level. In my opinion, in a in a actually pretty well controlled league. I mean, I've never shown up to a game. That uh, they didn't have an official at, or you know, at least a league official didn't show up for, or somebody had an oversight where they weren't able to play the game because of something that was a league issue. Um, I've never seen that, so I mean that that's a plus if you look in the books there. That at least it's it's well governed, well controlled, and they do have a head on their shoulders there. So they do have the opportunity to. to be able to compete at a very high level amongst their peers and a lot of these guys do have a good time with each other. Uh, talking, you know, I, I was talking to an assistant coach from Hempfield a couple weeks ago and he mentioned, Oh yeah, this Hempfield Penn Trafford matchup, you know, a lot of these guys are on the same squad when they play for the Vipers or they play for the S Mark Stars or they play you know, they play with teammates and you get out there on the ice and they get to play each other. So it's a unique situation where you get to play for a team where and then you get to play against each other the next weekend. So um that's the conversation we're trying to create and I do appreciate and I wanna thank all of you out there for, you know, chiming in with your thoughts and you know, your wisdom on it. I mean there's a lot of stuff that I miss and being very ridiculously new to this sport in a way, but I just want to thank you all for doing that. And um, While I do not know the inner workings of how this league is running, I assure you that, like us, they are more than likely working diligently to bring you a better product in promotion. Um, or, at this point, the whole league would have fallen apart. So, that's great. I would like to thank uh, everybody out there once again, and thank you for your continued support of what we do. Hello, everybody. Mitch here. And we are talking Mitch's Challenge Of course, Mitch's challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some, a lot of the action, but also the student sections because I want to see what you guys got out there. I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it. We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is. Classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. Challenge is always alive, and... Uh very good week for that. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but first we have a uh, couple things we need to go over beforehand. Um, just so you know, Gary Heeman decided that the Dirt Track Nationals were more important than Robert Morris Niagara at the Island this past weekend, and we don't blame him, uh, especially somebody who has dirt track racing in his blood. Um, but his loss was my gain as the Colonials earned a split in a very entertaining and very volatile two-game set against Jason Lammers. The Pittsburgh native and his Purple Eagles of Niagara. Uh, game number one was a weird game in many terms. They came out. The, the Colonials came out falling all over themselves. Uh, couldn't create offense. Couldn't create opportunity. Was giving up a lot of opt op, uh, odd man rushes the opposite way. Uh, They were able to open up the series with uh, 40 minutes, 0 seconds, I'm sorry, 0.1 seconds of great hockey as they were able to get a buzzer beater from Kyle Horsman at the end of the first period that spearheaded one of the greatest defensive efforts in club history as they held the Purple Eagles to no shots in the second period en route to allowing only 13 total shots against those Purple Eagles. And, of course, that is one less than they held Air Force to in the 2017 Atlantic Hockey Championship game. Uh, both of those, of course, are club records. So they set a couple of records in that game of that defensive effort. The second game, uh, of course, had a little bit of a uh, uh, feel-good moment beforehand as uh, former associate head coach Mark Workman's fan, uh Goddaughter and niece Morgan Workman dropped the puck before the game between Brendan Watt and Nick Farmer. Uh, Very nice moment there at the island with a ceremonial puck drop. I was glad to be there to be able to cover that. Um, The second game saw those Purple Eagles rise to the challenge of the Colonials. And most of us in the media thought the Colonials looked good enough to win the game, but somehow the Ni- Niagara Purple Eagles walked away with a 4-2 victory and a series split at the island. After the game, just Coach Schooley addressed the media, and it wasn't the same as a normal loss post-game. He he d- didn't address a lot of the X's and O's, but he gave us a glimpse of what he believes his team has to look forward to. So far this season, coming into this weekend. Well,
1: Nick's a goal scorer, and we expect that out of Nick. And uh, it t- just took him a while to learn to play the pace, and uh... That college hockey is. He didn't doesn't have the the, in, the huge size that Justin Adamo had has, and uh, with that you've got a he's got to figure out how fat, hard you got to work and how fast you have to play, and with that uh, he's been was very successful this weekend. Um, I'll tell you, the guy that that's knocking on his door, the door that's, that's playing very well, he just can't buy a goal right now. Is Grant Ebert. and I thought he was all over the ice, and uh, we brought him to be a scorer. He's got nothing through eight games, but gosh, he could have. 10 points by now you could add four goals alone this weekend so like I said you just got to be patient you've got to keep working with the guys and you got to keep can't lose um, I'm disappointed I'm disappointed in some aspects of our game I'm disappointed the way we we uh, ended the game and we just need to make sure at the end of the day we continue not to get frustrated and continue to work and that's 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 hockey it's hard to win it's hard to win it's hard to win with young guys and we'll uh we'll see where we go with it we just keep being positive and keep working
0: it's a big detail right there, is just to maintain the positivity and uh, keep that chugging along. To talk about that a little bit further and talk about what's coming up next, I'm going to be bringing in Gary Heeman. Uh, of course, did not show up for the series this weekend, was in Charlotte for the Dirt Track Nationals, but uh, had a couple things to say about it, and I figured I'd give him a call to talk about this upcoming weekend. Gary Heeman of Everybody's Favorite Hannah and Hannah, If you don't get the inside joke, it came from our uh, dirt track, uh, or dirt track podcast, the Action Track Podcast. And Gary, how was Charlotte, sir? Nah, Charlotte was awesome. Uh,
2: it always is. That's a great time with um with the top three the top three series on dirt in the United States, the World of Outlaw. Craftsman Sprint Cars, Craftsman Late Models, and the World of Outlaw was Super Dirt Car Series, Big Block Modifieds—always a great time. Fifteen thousand people in the grandstands. Um, wow, just uh, so much racing and such high level and quality of racing too. Um, you know, it's just uh, a great way to end the season. But it has done just that. It is end of the season now. Full focus and full eyes on hockey. That's season a- got a, a few months. uh few months. Uh, some great college hockey coverage still coming your way.
0: All right, so now we've got your full focus. Now that the cars have been put away for the winter, Gary, so we had a big series against Niagara this past week in a split for the Robert Morris Colonials. Um, Of course, I just played an interview with Derek Schooley where he explained about his players and how he, you know, he sees them being about ready to break out. Um, Is that the the sense that you got from Coach Schooley at the, uh, during your interview today?
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, our typical coaches calls, you know, we would talk about, um, you know, the, uh, the weekend that was and uh, what to expect going forward and uh, talks that, um, that, that we had about Niagara. I mean, he was overall seems somewhat pleased with his team's performance. Um, you know, some of these things, um, yeah, sometimes the results aren't always going to go your way. Um, they didn't on Saturday. Um, you know, there were maybe a, a couple of uneven stretches in, in the games Friday night, um, was a very solid win, Saturday, um, you know, by looking over everything and talking to different people, is a game that could have gone their way as well. Um, you know, you could say that for a couple other games this season, certainly, too. Um, so, having said that, I mean, it's it's just a, 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 a you will cut that out.
0: No, I'm just going to look at you. Go ahead. It's
2: just that it's just this time waiting for, you know, the conditions to strike, and that is everybody on the same page for 60 minutes and getting the result. And, you know, with the input, with the um, the hard work and the effort they've been putting forth lately, um, that's going to come. The, with the talent on this roster, um, the, the goals are going to start falling and the wins are going to start coming. Um, it's a matter of time. and I think a lot of people, not just here in Pittsburgh, that are actively watching Rob Moore's hockey and have watched the program throughout its history, but lots of people in college hockey in general that keep an eye on everybody, mm-hmm. that can see that, that the Colonials are really getting close to to I don't want to say go on a, on a winning streak. It, it's college hockey. I mean, you know, you, the results aren't always what yeah. you uh, would want them to be, but at the same time, definitely at some point looking at a, at a, at a hot streak uh, coming sooner rather than later.
0: All right. Now um, a lot of people know, <laughs> don't know the level like Derek Schooley does, but he did single out one player during that last interview that I just played. And that was Grant hay Um, are you seeing the same things he's saying, how oh, he's, he's he's about to break out in a, in a big way?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, what you're seeing is, you know, when you look at offensive confidence, you, know, you look at, number one, are they getting pucks now? And then you look at number two, how, you know, what grade could you put on the chances? You know, and we're seeing, you know, some C-level chances turning into B-level chances. They're going to be turning into A-level chances, and they're going to be cashed in. You can see, you know, you know the confidence is really brewing with the amount and quality of the chances that you're starting to see from some of these um, new new faces on the team here, mm-hmm. and you know for some of the more established players too, um, you know you could make a case. Kip Poffman could have four or five goals by now easily, yes. Um, if things went his way, um, you know you look at Justin O'Donnell, he could have had a few. He's already had some goals, and he could have had a few more. Um, you know, so it's 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 going to be uh it's going to be coming soon. I have a feeling. Um, you know, I've watched the program for ended my 13th year now, and you can tell when, when things are starting to move all in the right direction. Um, you couple that with the goaltending of Francis Murat, which is, you know, at a very high level on most nights, and he consistently is turning in good performances. Um, but what I really would like to speak to in the, in the young players, though, and the reason for, you know, a little more confidence going forward, perhaps, is the job some of these defensemen are doing. Um, oh, yeah. Really, um, you look at... Um, you know, you look at what they've, they've done so far, um, and the development of players like Alex Robert, who you know Scooley told me today is one of the most improved players on the team to this point. going forward um, on the back line for you know the Colonials. You look at that and the return of Eric Israel. That defensive core actually has played well, you know, in all but you know maybe a, a couple of moments in a couple of the games.
0: Oh yeah, you look at uh, and that's a player that I'm noticing is Alex Robert. He's getting out there in all situations. He's no longer, you know, and there's a guy a couple years ago, he had a hard time cracking the lineup. I mean, it was a little bit deeper whenever you look at it, but you know, there was some opportunity there with a couple of players that weren't playing up to par and he was having a hard time getting into the lineup. But this year, he's just a stalwart back there.
2: Absolutely. I mean, there was an opening due to, a, you know, some graduations and other things and you know, there was an opportunity. And he made the most of that opportunity so far this season. I mean, not just to, to plug a hole in the back six, but to actually do very well with it uh, going forward, game in and game out. And that's what Alex Robert has done to this point so far in the season.
0: You had a couple games where you were able to see the team without Eric Israel, and then you got to see him with him. I just finally got the opportunity this past weekend to see, you know, what exactly he brings to the table. And he, he definitely brings that, you know, that just like that glue for the both the offense and the defense when it comes to his just his ability to keep the puck in on the line and be able to run the offense from that uh, blue line.
2: Absolutely. I mean, he's the offensive threat. Everybody knows that. But he allows other players on the ice to do more of the things that they feel more comfortable doing it at a high level, too. Um, you know, you, you look at you know it's not only his defensive partner, but you know the other defensemen, their ice time. You look at uh, the forward unit that he's on the ice with. And you know, there's a little bit less there's you know less we concerned about with him back there. You can actually focus on doing other things. I mean, um, I I think that he you know Coach Scully said it best when he just kind of sort he let out basically that um you know that that Eric you know helps people become better back there. And it's true. I mean, yeah, but you, you look at the um, the production that he gives. is Obviously, he's big. You know, five on five um, in a penalty killing situation, and you know, quarterback in that power play too. I mean, yeah, he does it all. He's a big piece to the puzzle. He was going to have to be a big piece to the puzzle for the Colonials to have success this season. And you know him coming back. It, it's as like he um, had never been gone. Um, this was a, a seamless return from injury so far. Um, so hats off to Eric and and the, to the work effort, the work ethic that it takes to come back from something like that and to be effective so quickly. Um, you you come back from a from a long injury like that and a lot of recovery time, a lot of a lot of therapy and so forth. And you know your first few games, you're still kind of your eyes have to pick it up at game speed, and you don't have to relearn it completely because your body knows it. Mm-hmm. but you still have to fine tune it and that can take four, five, six, seven games sometimes, you know, to fine tune and get everything going at the speed with which you, you know, had always been accustomed to using with your feet and seeing with your eyes and hands. <laughs> this was no, uh, no games necessary for Israel. Um, and it has been a, been a great thing for Colonials.
0: that was one thing that I was noticing and you, you know people don't get to see a lot because they don't really pay attention uh, where the players sit whenever they are they are actually scratched and or injured and watching the game um, you you get to see how they react you know they're what, how involved in the game they are whenever they're actually watching and I, I don't think I, I when I'm looking up at the scratches a couple times I don't think I ever saw his eyes leave the ice I mean he just yep. stay, just tries to stay involved, tries to stay as a student of the game, and that that's huge for whenever you're out and um that's a one of those learning things is always just pay attention whenever you're not out there um all right, so let's uh step off of that and step into into the ring I guess in a way big series this weekend We got a home at home with number eight Penn State Gary, what yes. do you got for us on this series?
2: <laughs> well, you know what it's uh. It's a it's a great time to shine against a, uh, a nationally ranked opponent. Um, there's no question about that. Yeah, it, is it a rivalry? Yes, it's a rivalry from the sense that you know, it, it's all played in the same state. There's only three programs in the state of Pennsylvania. There's Hurst, there's Robert Morris, and there's Penn State. Um, Penn State was the third to come along, and we've had you know some really great games with them, some battles. Now um, that help, it helps give it a little bit more edge than perhaps a traditional non-conference series. Um. There's no argument there. Is it like a full-fledged knocking down, you know, rivalry that you know we look forward to every year? And you know, there's a lot of a lot of participation in um, you know, tailgating and whatnot. And it's a it's a big game. It's you know, packed with a lot of you know signs from the student sections and a lot of you know, a lot of that kind of atmosphere going on. Eh, we're still getting to that point. Um. You know, but what it, what they are, what this weekend is. Is a chance for the Colonials not only to, to get some confidence and make some noise and play well against a really good opponent. It's a chance to plug and play a couple of guys that you, know, you want to find out more about because this is a, a season where we need to find out about you know eleven you know high quality freshmen that have been brought in here, mm-hmm. and it's a good chance to get some of those players in. Having said that, uh, we know the Colonials' history against top ranked teams yeah. or against nationally ranked teams over the years. Um, yeah, this is a you know this is a, a Goliath killer. Uh, in the first 15 years and it's been a great thing to observe and watch um, if you know Penn state wins they're doing a the job If the Colonials wins if the Colonials win they're not really upsets um and if you've been following it anyway um, other media might taint that like wow Rob Moores upset the penn State and Lions. lines yeah that's a great thing ah, it's not quite an upset this is a it, this is a, a series But it's been fought tooth and nail I think we're six and six I believe overall between the two schools mm-hmm. or something along those lines um you know there are just as many wins for Rob Morris, or nearly as many wins for Rob Morris as there are for Penn State in this thing. Um, you know, you look at two teams that you know bring a lot of skill. Um, the Nittany Lions love to shoot the puck. They make a living shooting the puck. They score goals. Um, and they give up some opportunities, too. So keep that in mind. They, um, they did just
0: lose to—they uh, lost a heartbreaker what? to Arizona State last weekend. Forty-three.
2: I have a hard, I have a hard time calling that one upside Actually, look at Arizona State's Well, I was, I
0: show. was going to lead into that with, you know, right. they, they actually had to come back to, from Arizona, from the down from, at Arizona State on the first night. So I believe yep. it was three goals in the third period to have to come back in that game. So, you know, right. They do have a little bit of a. I mean, Arizona State's getting a becoming a better program day after day if you keep noticing, but. I mean, have yes. go into a top ten, go to the uh, top tens house, and you know, put them on the brink for two straight days. <laughs> right. uh, you know, we're definitely looking I, at a program that's neat that also needs to bounce back from something like that. So,
2: absolutely. And just a quick aside, you know, mm-hmm. for Arizona State and their perspective, um, you know, because we're one of the only uh, podcasts that deals with college hockey, you know, in our area. <laughs> Um, but it, it, for Arizona State, I, I, somebody get them in a conference, please. Um, get them in there. Uh, you know, they've, they've paid some dues as an independent. And if you really want college hockey to grow, they, they need some acceptance by, I don't know, whether that's to be CHA or NCAC or whatever schools could absorb them and still carry on. You know, I'm sure that um, you know, they'll be rewarded with a, with a really, really good program that has a lot of support and you know isn't going to go away in a couple of years and say oh this was a good try but it's just not making us any money no this Arizona State program is going to stick and they're going to be around for a long time and at a good level when they um when they you know flesh it out and get all the pieces in place
0: well the nice thing about and we're you know we'll stay on the aside here and I'm fine with that um is that you look at a program like Arizona State and how they're flourishing, where they're flourishing, and you look at new programs in Vegas and, you know, and NA, I'm sorry, speaking of the NHL and such, um, you know, you, n- you never say never at this point, you know. You, c- you never oh, know absolutely. who could pop up and say, hey, we want to now play Division One, and then now all of a sudden you're looking at a couple teams out west that are, well, there's a couple of us here. Let's see if we can get a couple of them there and, hey, Weirder things stranger things have happened, my friend. Stranger things oh, it, have happened and it, it's true. It, it it's a powder keg out there right now. You don't know who's going to who's getting that th- that thought process. We could be talking tomorrow about UNLV saying, "Hey, I'm going to I want to do Division 1." <laughs> or, you know, a, a program like that and so somebody in Southern California could be like, "Well, you know, we just put all these teams on the West Coast and all the minor leagues are on the West Coast now." you know let, let's give it a shot and you know hey, okay. never say never man um, Absolutely. I mean, all right
2: we, Go ahead. We, we definitely could see that happening um as far as like what to expect from this series goes mm-hmm. I, I i'm truly expecting some goals um i'm expecting Francis smart to come up with some great saves um so and i'm expecting that young defensive core you, you know they may get i don't know they might get burned a couple of times or once or twice just looking at the speed and the way the style of Penn state uses and as offensively aggressive as they are. But I think once they pick up and learn it, I think they're going to be right there in this game, making plays that penalty kill also is buzzing at 83.3%. That's growing. It was in the seventies earlier. I'm liking where that's going right now. Just the scoring at five on five coming in. That's going to be one thing where I'd like to see them create some more chances and finish those chances. But um, yeah, I think there will be some chances as just a, just uh, as a result of form and function of the way that Penn State tends to play and tends to skate, there's going to be some chances. Be on the lookout for them. That could be you know, Luke Lynch and, and Alex Sange headed towards a two-on-one or a breakaway a couple points in this weekend. When they get those moments, they will have to cash in, though. That's going to be the thing that might make the difference between one point, two points, or no points, are cashing in while those one or two you know, slip-ups by the Penn State attack or the five-man unit or the defensive group back there you know, and that one mistaken coverage needs to be capitalized on. It's not going to be enough just to say, oh, "We got it to the net." That's yeah, got to get in the back of the net this weekend you, for you, them to, to have a good chance you, to win.
0: You got to finish it, and that's what uh, I think. That's what uh, Coach Scully was elaborating to in his postgame words. And uh, a lot of these guys are that much closer to finishing it. They're figuring out the game of the, the speed of the collegiate game, and they're definitely getting to that point. All right, Gary, so you will be in the rink with us on Saturday night at the Island. Yes, so absolutely. So I will see you there. I will be, of course, taking the pictures for you. So thank you again for coming on. Uh, we'll see. We'll talk to you next week, all right? All right, thanks, Mitch. We'll Enjoy see the you there. Day. Take care. You can find hey, Gary Heeman on Twitter at U <laughs> We're going to flip the script now. We're going to talk about the... Robert Morris-Women, who headed up to the Gene Policini Center in Rochester, New York, for a two-game series with the Rochester Institute of Technology Tigers, uh, was a hit-or-miss weekend for the Lady Kearns as Friday night saw the Colonial sneak out with two points. They fell behind the Tigers early in the second, only to rattle off two goals, one by Kirsten Welsh and the other by Amber Rennie, and got an empty netter by J.C. Gabbard to take that game 3-1. to one. Um, not usually in a position for a sweep after usual slow start to a weekend, the Colonials made Saturday worth the while. They got goals from Gebhard, Montours Angelica Diffendall and Maggie Lagu to take a sweep out of Rochester. Lauren Bailey recorded her second shutout in three games. The women will welcome number ten Colgate to the island this weekend with a 7:05 start on Friday. And if you're looking for some ranked action on the ice on Friday, on Saturday, we've got a double header for you as the women face off against the Red Raiders at 305, right before the men hit the ice to face the Nittany Lions at 705. If that's not enough, there will also be the popular skate with the Colonials after the men's game. So bring your skates. And as Matt Mamros is going to tell you in a little bit, there's another little detail about that matchup that they're looking for. And actually let's bring him in now. now we welcome in Matt Mamros for his hockey headwaters segment this week. All right now we are here with Matt Mamros our weekly headwaters article coming on via the podcast Matt, any new world jerseys in the world now?
3: Oh absolutely we have uh, we had quite an interesting weekend in jerseys and I'm glad you brought to my attention the uh, ECHL superhero weekend. Jersey auction uh, in Toledo. The walleye selling Dylan Satterway's uh, jersey and um, I totally blanked on Daniel Levin's name for like a solid second there, but he's the <laughs> other one, the Colonial kid whose jersey was not being sold Levo this weekend.
0: Not Levo. You can't yeah, forget about Levo. You can't, you
3: can't forget him. <laughs> the only dude to wear the same superhero for five different teams last year or however many he ended up on. He had Captain America in Wheeling, and in Allen, and in Rapid City. And they were all different numbers, too. I wish I had all all three or four of them. But uh, I I do have the Nailers one.
0: All right. So anything else pop up with that?
3: Oh, absolutely. We have a very special package that arrived this morning from Switzerland containing an extra-large... Game-issued Cody Wido jersey signed by the legend himself, Cody Wido. This thing is littered with advertisements and packing peanut odor, But what a great, what a great piece.
0: Uh, you get a, one of those pure, authentic Euro jerseys littered with advertising and all that other fun stuff on it. All right, Matt, so moving into the stuff that matters to us. I mean, to you, we understand that the uh, the jerseys are a big deal, but we're here for— Jerseys and and socks. Absolutely, jersey, jersey hats and socks. I, I don't know why you'd want the socks, but we'll roll with it and we'll go with it. And we're gonna say we got a bunch of other players that wear the jerseys, hats and socks. Let's talk about them. Um, what do you got for us this week in our updates from everybody from around the world?
3: Well, let's let's start uh, in Pittsburgh in the NHL on Monday. I was in attendance to a, a abysmal Penguin showing, but uh, other than that, Swickley and native. Uh, Furman South made his NHL debut in the Stripes. Got on the ice in the Stripes. So that's uh, great to see him and Brandon Blandina also, mm-hmm. former Robert Morris forward, mm-hmm. both skating around, mm-hmm. professional hockey in the Stripes.
0: Not only is he a former Robert Morris colonial, also a former Quaker Valley Quaker of the PIHL. So he was on one of those Penguins Cup and state championship teams a couple years back. So... Yeah, definitely moving up in in the world. Made his NHL debut this past week with in as a referee in the NHL.
3: Yeah, highlight of the game was uh, after the the two hand draw on Chris Latang There was a no call. I thought was freaking out about that one, giving giving Furman some some peace of his mind. But uh, he had to jump on the pile to peel Jack Johnson from the pile. So that was uh, pretty interesting to see that I, the dude actually looks like he might be stronger than Jack Johnson.
0: Wow. All right, what else you got for us
3: sure let's uh let's go into Saskatoon, Saskatchewan for the Notre Dame Hounds, where we follow Cameron Rey Recke, mark Recky's son. He put up a uh six points three goals and three assists in triple a midget in Canada and I don't know how he ended up over there and didn't stay in Pittsburgh to play with the junior pen, but what a what a great story over there in sas
0: yeah, what do we got now? Just you ready to uh,
3: you ready hit the books and go back to college, Mitch?
0: Yeah, let's go. I mean, I was already supposed to announce that today, but unfortunately, I made that mistake and deleted that, the interview by accident. So <laughs> apparently, college is not yeah, in my in my books right now. So let's keep moving. Let's get to this. Let's get back through the books. Let's pound those books. What do we got?
3: Sure, I'm on I'm of Halloween puns because the brims are put away for the year.
0: Uh huh. Um,
3: but uh, Jack Dugan and Providence had a very quiet weekend, but Providence is now 4-3 and three in the USHO pools, and they play number nine UMass this weekend, so that's going to be a big big game to watch. I'm going to look forward to that one this weekend. Uh, going down to Arizona State in the Sun Duel- Devil Duo, they play, They beat Penn State in Hockey Valley in overtime in the second game, the Saturday game. They won 4-3. to three. I believe they lost 6-2. to two but they are—they got 86 votes, and they're still not number 20, which is incredible to me. But
0: they're just they, uh, on the outside. They I, might
3: be ranked after this weekend.
0: Yeah, I just talked to uh, Gary Heeman about that, and we both discussed about how that program is just continuing to build, and how you know you could—we're waiting to see if somebody would pick them up in a conference at this point. Um,
3: uh, I've heard some—I've
0: heard some rumors.
3: We're gonna—we're gonna keep those under wraps in case they accidentally become true. Um, of where they may end up. But uh take... Austin will an assist on the the game tying goal in the win over Penn State this weekend.
0: Oh that is nice.
3: Yes, uh quiet, quiet weekend from Demetrius, but uh,
0: mm-hmm.
3: we'll let's uh let's sail the seven seas and go overseas.
0: Going to Europe.
3: We're going to Europe. We're going to Switzerland actually. Okay. Um, we're gonna talk Cody Wido. 15 games played, 20 points, and uh, a little unique fact I found out about them, the leading scorer of your team is designated with a different colored helmet and jersey than the rest of the team. To uh, I don't know if that's a uh, custom over there or what, but Cody White has been wearing a different colored jersey than the rest of the team and a different helmet in game action. And I don't have a picture of it, but that's pretty sweet.
0: That is awesome. He's got
3: 11 goals and 9 assists and 20 points in 11 games. So, so my seventh f- leading follow- scorer in the league.
0: My follow-up question to that is, did you get one of the special jerseys, or did you get one of his team jerseys?
3: I got the one from the photo shoot, the one where he, uh, he looks like it's Game of Thrones style. Okay. Son, um, it's green. And it's got a big lion on it, and about a million advertisements. So You, will, <laughs> you won't see it this weekend, because uh, retweet for awareness, but men's hockey... Dave's calling for a red out. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. I have a uh, a special. We'll talk about that in the extra. Uh, okay. Greg Gibson for Dalet is a. Uh, I actually cannot read my own writing on this.
0: Greg oh, okay, Gibson Grenette is a.
3: Yeah, but he uh he had a one goal weekend. He's a plus five, and he's um he's turning it up in the French too. The other player in that league, a lot of game twos did not uh, not see anything on him this weekend. But also in that league, Scott Jacklin. He noticed this for Sean Monet. I totally butchered the pronunciation of that team last weekend, so we're gonna we're, we're gonna fix it this week.
0: I see that. Yeah, a little fanatic.
3: He East Coast, Beast Coast. Oh, geez. So, uh, congratulations to not only the highest-selling jersey of. Uh, Migre, superhero weekend. Dylan Sadoway, the Enforcer, gets recalled to the AHL Grand Rapids Griffins. He's uh, he's moving back up. Right. Got a ring with them for a uh, a championship, and you know it'd be nice to see him get another one. And uh, Daniel Levins that's his third assist. So he's got three assists on the air for the Toledo Walleye Nice. And Robert Powers. Did not do a ton of scoring at Robert Morris. Had pretty much all his points in his senior year, but he's already had two goals and four assists for six points in nine games with the ND Fuel.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Somebody somebody might be calling him very soon. I know uh, Wilkes-Barre can use some help. Brady Brady Ferguson this weekend just continuing to tear up the league. With In 13 games, he's got 15 points, seven goals, and eight assists, and he is plus eight and fifth in the ECHL in scoring. They're gonna start. That?
0: They're gonna stop. They're gonna have to figure out reasons to keep him down there because they're starting to run out of them right now. They're gonna have to get creative.
3: The number one is jersey sales. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. All
3: right.
0: Uh, this one I noticed. We're good at wheeling. Yeah, I noticed this one on uh on Saturday. I was looking around. I'm like, where are the lynches? Where are the lynches? Where are the lynches? Then I realized, Zach's making his home debut. <laughs> Tonight in in Wheeling, so that's where the Lancers yeah, went. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's where that's where they are. He he scored the second goal for Wheeling in the home opener, so they he's got I believe. Let me see here. He
0: got two goals, four assists. He got two he got
3: two goals and four assists for six points and mm-hmm. five games for Wheeling. So that's that's pretty impressive, and they're gonna keep keep struggle to keep reason or struggle to keep him down there as well. He should get called up to the AHL anytime. This yeah. year, so let's uh, let's go to the future,
0: mm-hmm.
3: the Colonials of the future. Brian Kramer, not Roman Kramer. We'll talk about him in a second here, but he put up an assist for the uh, the Ice race, the Coastal Carolina
0: Ice race this weekend. And mm-hmm. Roman
3: Kramer, in his Johnstown return, got to goal.
0: Roman Kramer gets to move and back to Johnstown now.
3: Makes the move back to Johnstown. Apparently, he's playing with Cam A bear uh, Oh, yeah. I can confirm that after tonight. lose up there in Johnstown watching that game tonight. They're playing at Jamestown. He gets another NHL team. I forget what the – they're not the Jets. They're the
0: Rebels. They're Jamestown.
3: The Rebels, that's right. They are they're the back. Rebels. We're well, back.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's good to see them back. Let's go to Youngstown. Connor McEachern with a goal and an assist this weekend pushing his title to six goals in 12 games and four assists for 10 points that the colonials are going to love that scoring next year especially no matter where they stick him it looks like he's going to be able to play
1: Mm
3: -hmm. and we got a new commit this weekend Uh uh-oh who do we get we got darcy walsh the captain and forward of the ottawa junior senators he got in 22 games played, 17 goals and 13 assists for 30 points for a, a little bit over a point per game average, which is just incredible.
0: If you want to, uh, I just wanted to chime back in. I'm looking at my schedule now. If you want to go check out uh, Roman down in Johnstown, they will be at home on Friday and Saturday. Seven o'clock start on Saturday, 7:30 on Friday. They're playing Maryland, the Black Bears.
3: The Blackbirds—that's another new team. This is their mm-hmm. debut season as well. Mm-hmm. Saw some pucks floating around on the internet, which you could talk to Andrew about that one anytime. He's he's a big he's a big puck guy. Unfortunately, yes, he, he got me down that rabbit hole as well. <laughs>
0: All and right. And then
3: uh, I know you have Mitch's challenge, but we're going to have Matt's challenge this weekend to stack on to Mitch's challenge. Uh oh. Matt, Matt's challenge is stolen from Twitter. The mm-hmm. Colonials will be having a red out this weekend against Penn State at home, where you're red. And I heard there's a pretty pretty nice prize being given out to the fan who seems to be the most enthusiastic. It, it seems like it's college students only, but it'll be a good time.
0: Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, they, they announced last weekend that they are now officially cr- opening up the Colonial Crazy Student section. I found it a little funny and ironic that Mitch's challenge is working so well that all of a sudden now... There's a collegiate team out <laughs> the collegiate teams are now looking at student sections. So
3: Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm surprised uh the, uh, the Robert Morris doesn't get more players in the game, but that's that's definitely a challenge is to get more fans in the stands.
0: And I think they'll succeed. I think definitely the uh, the Colonials their fan base is pretty rabid and they'll be able to get more in the stands for this weekend, especially in a big rivalry game, so all right.
3: Absolutely, I got my tickets this weekend. I'm pretty, pretty excited about it for sure.
0: Are you got anything else for me, sir?
3: Women, we got uh, number ten and nine, or it's either nine and eight. Colgate, the Red it's Rebels number 10. coming to.
0: They are they're number 10. ten. Yes, the Red, the Red Raiders are coming to town, and they will be. They're at number they ten right now. So it's going to be a big weekend here. You got, of course, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but. Uh, the women host Colgate number 10 Colgate. The men have number eight Penn state got some ranked hockey coming to the Island. Of course the, the men head to state college play, uh, Penn state at seven o'clock at Pagula ice arena on Friday. And then come home on Saturday, the women play against Colgate at seven on Friday at the Island and having a three Oh five the following day. All right. Uh, thank you again, Matt, for coming on with us every week. Um, uh, well, we'll see you this weekend at the Island. Hope to be surprised at whatever you're wearing this time. I believe last weekend it was the Brady Ferguson practice jersey for the Penguins.
3: It was in and... prospect camp, signed by Brady himself. Oh. He didn't even know I had it, so that's a, that's a good one. But uh, this weekend it's going to be something red.
0: All right. Something red. I, I think I know where I you're going some... with this, but I-, I got an idea on it. But all right. Anyway, that's Matt Mamros. I got
3: I got. See, i got too many options, it's a problem. <laughs> All
0: right. That's Matt Mamros, I'm Brian Mitchell. We'll talk to you later, Matt. Take care. He likes to talk, and that's a good thing you get in a podcast guest, and I don't think I picked one that's even better because he's pulling things out that I have never even heard of at this point. So hats off to Matt Mamros. Uh, now we're going to get into our PIHL coverage. Once again, we are still looking for the best student section in the PIHL. You keep chirping me on Twitter, and we'll see who's going to take this. Uh, this week's student section MVP has to go to Bishop Canavan for the atmosphere they created for their students and athletes in the wake of the defeat against Burl. Um, I couldn't believe it until the videos that I got from Ed Major. Hats off to you guys at Bishop Canavan, and can't wait to see you guys again. All right, here comes the recap. Double-A will kick off our week now. They had six games on the docket. Moon defeated Armstrong at barrel on Thursday as two goals by David Pollock store stood as the difference makers as Luke Connassay stopped 16 of 17 en route to the victory for the Tigers. A balanced attack led Franklin Regional over Hempfield 5-4 at Center Ice Arena. Kevin Cocknock had a... Goal and an assist for the Panthers as Christian Konezeka had a pair for the Spartans. A fiery Warriors comeback was thwarted by Greater Latrobe as Cole Novak's two goals towards the end of regulation were the deciders as Latrobe held off Penn Trafford 4-3 at Kirk Nevin Arena. Ed Major II was on site at Ice Castle as an eight round shootout was what decided Baldwin and Upper St. Clair. This time the Highlanders ended things on their eighth skater. 5-4 was the final there. Logan Schlegel had a hat trick, and Anthony Adamski had three points as Plum defeated Quaker Valley 7-3 at Pittsburgh Ice Arena in New Kensington. Joshua Bemis had a goal and two assists for the Quakers. Moon stayed perfect for the week, defeating Hampton 4-3 at Frozen Pond. Colby Carminese had a goal and two assists for the Tigers. Standings in the middle of week number six look like this in the north and west. You have Pine Richland and Mars remaining deadlocked at 5-0 heading into their showdown at Barrel on Thursday night. A game in which I will be in the rink for. Moon is right behind them at 4-2, while Shaler's 1-1-0-3 record is good for fourth place. In the South and East, Latrobe leaves right now at 5-1. They're tied with Upper St. Clair at 4-0-0-2. Hempfield is two points behind them at 4-2, and Franklin Regional is in fourth with a record of 3, 2, oh, and 1. Devin Rorick has 16 points, a two-point lead on Justin Adamski and Gregory Ferry, with Will Stutt and Anthony Carone three behind in the statistical categories. We're off to AAA, where four games occurred. Bethel Park defended to home ice at the Spencer Family YMCA as a three-point effort by JT Bell, including the game-winning goal led to Blackhawks over Seneca Valley 4-2 on Thursday. Jared Todhunter headed to Barrel, where the first of two AAA games saw Seneca Valley defeat Camden McMillan 5-1. Five different Raiders scored, while Aiden Campbell stopped 20 of 21 shots that he faced. His second in the game brought Central Catholic to North Allegheny and saw the Tigers take the contest 4-1. Aaron Miller, Nathaniel Heil, Vincenzo Mizur, and Tyler Dudestadt scored for the Tigers, and Richard Carapondi stopped 28 of 29 in the win. Vincent Ventuccio's two goals and another three-point effort by J.T. Bell led Bethel Park to their second victory in as many games as the Blackhawks defeated Butler 5-1 at Frozen Pond. Nicholas Guimon stopped 13-14 of in the win. North Allegheny leads the classification at 5-1, two points ahead of a 4-1 Bethel Park and a 4-2 Seneca Valley. Central Catholic sits behind them at 3-2-0-1, while Peters Township and Mount Lebanon are 3-2. The challenge that J.T. Bell laid down to Wyatt George in our third-ever podcast is coming back to fruition as the Blackhawks senior leads AAA with 11 points. Anthony Perdue is second with nine, and a pair of Romans are tied for third as Ronan Miller and Ronan Junker each have eight points. Vincent Vituccio, Wyatt George, and Jeremy Anthos trail with seven points. We're going to hit Division II now as five games took place. Central Valley outlasted Trinity in a shootout at Brady's run on Thursday, defeating the Hillers 6-5. to Riley Adams registered a goal and two assists in the victory for the Warriors. Ed Major made it to Nice Castle just in time to see the Burl Bucks and Bishop Canavan Crusaders matchup. Tyler Stewart scored four goals and had three assists, as Cole Vizana had three goals and an assist. Jonas Sopko, two goals and two assists. Dylan Zolanka had... Four assists in a 10 to three Bucks win. I was, of course, in the rink at a legendary rink, which was the Rostraver Ice Garden in Rostraver Township, Pennsylvania, to watch the Central Valley Warriors defeat the Ringgold Rams five to three. It was an all special teams effort as Dante Guido scored two goals, added one assist, and. Well, the power play went 5-6 for for the Central Valley Warriors. A scary situation occurred in the third period as Ryan Mark took Anthony Santilli into the boards behind Evan Cook and Santilli had to be taken to a local medical facility. All of us at PHD wish him nothing but the best and all our thoughts with him to have a speedy recovery and that everything is all right. Nishanik had three goals scored. Goals from Robert Pizzuto and Thomas Walls at Hess Ice Arena and a 2-0 win over Connellsville. Carson Burkhart stopped all 36 shots he faced. Sebastian Skarzenski stopped 38 of 40 in loss. The Carrick Cougars defeated Trinity 4-2 on Tuesday night. Pearl remains undefeated at 6-0 with Central Valley right behind them at 5-1. Neshanik, Ringgold, Connellsville, and Carrick each have eight points to be right behind Burl and Central Valley. Tyler Stewart and Dylan Zalonka lead to scoring with 23 points each, while Ryan Brown is seven points behind with Jonas Sopko a point behind him. Anthony Santilli sits in fifth place with 11 points. Single A had eight games on the schedule this evening. Jordan McCurdy stopped 18 of 19 as Michael Mahoney and Cole Weber scored four goals each. And October Player of the Month, Nick France, had two goals and two assists in a 14 1 Meadville Bulldogs victory over the Beaver Bobcats. Matthew Hidukovic scored all five goals for Swickley Academy in a 5 4 victory over Fox Chapel. Michael Kilmer had two goals and an assist for the Foxes at the Island Sports Center. And of course, I was getting chirped all evening while at the Ice Garden on Monday, and the team doing the chirping was none other than the undefeated Montour Spartans. While they were at the Meadville Rec Center, the Spartans jumped out to a 5-1 lead, eventually a 7-3 lead, and then Nicholas France came alive, scoring his third, second, third, fourth goal of the contest to make it 7-6. But curfew struck shortly after a Michael Felsing goal to give Montour an 8-6 victory. Alexander Kellner registered a hat-trick, Ian Kumar, and Adam Munra a goal and an assist apiece in a 6-4 South Bay victory over Wheeling Catholic at West Banco Arena. Jason Gwynn had a goal and two assists for the Patriots. Aidan Roscoe scored six goals for the Norwin Knights in an 11-2 victory over Kiske area at Center Ice Arena. Logan Connolly had a goal and four assists in the victory for the Knights. Tyler Bliss and Theodore Kiger scored two goals apiece in a 6-2 North Hills victory over Beaver at the Island Sports Center. Ian Keller and Liam O'Neill scored a goal and an assist for the Indians. Ramon Jaramecek scored three goals and had four assists as Bishop McCourt trounced Greensburg-Salem 13-2. Jackson Dobbs scored two goals and had two assists for the Crushers at the War Memorial. The back half of that doubleheader saw Eddie Williams score a hat-trick en route to a 5-2 Indiana victory over Westmont Hilltop. Luuk Wakab had three helpers in the victory for the Indians. The Spartans are the toast of the north right now, with Montour sitting undefeated at 6-0. Meadville is right behind them at 5-1 with West Allegheny at 4-1 in third. Swickley Academy and North Hills are tied with 3-3 records. Rounding out the top five, Norwin sits atop the southeast at five and one, with Bishop McCourt at three and one, Indiana at three and two, and Westmont Hilltop at three and three, right in tow. South Fayette is five and zero oh in pacing the southwest with a three one Thomas Jefferson, and three and two South Park right behind them. Statistically speaking, with twenty nine points, Nicholas France. Leads single A with Richard Frolik, Matthew Hudekovic, ten points behind him. Brendan Leach and Michael Felsing have 18 points to round out the top five. To put that in perspective, Nicholas France currently has more goals than the next player has points in the classification. Once again, I want to thank everybody for listening to our show. Um, once again, I would like to apologize to everybody for not being able to bring you an interview. That I thought was a great interview, and that was of course with uh, Liam Kavanagh and Never Give Up Radio. Uh, there are things you make do you in your life that you regret, and this is going to be one of them. That uh, I'm luckily going to get a second chance and be able to re-interview him this weekend. So we're going to discuss a little bit there. But coming a- look ahead right now, I will be at the uh, I will be sorry tomorrow. I'll be at Barrel. It will be Moon, and it will be Mars Battle of Five and O's in Double A. I will try to stop in at Beaver at Brady's Run to see both Blackhawk and Deer Lakes. Ed Major has your ACHA this weekend. I believe he has Pitt and Duquesne at Alpha on Saturday. I mean on Friday, and then he has Duquesne and Slippery Rock on Saturday. I will be in with the colleges this weekend as Robert Morris hosts Colgate in women's hockey. And then on su- on su- Friday night, I apologize, in a doubleheader, Robert Morris men and Robert Morris women on Saturday. I haven't figured out where I'm going to be on Sunday. If anywhere, I might need to take a day off here or there. So um, we're looking at that right now. Once again, thank you for listening to the, of course, PhD podcast, our 13th episode. And, of course, the episode where I make the most mistakes in my life. Um, I would like to thank Gary Heeman and Matt Mamros for coming on with me today. Apologies to Liam Cavanaugh, and thank everybody out there for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope to see you guys in the rink. Take care, guys.